I think the first mention of heart disease was around uh, 1911, 1912. A cardiologist uh, wrote up a report printed in the New England Journal of Medicine, said, hey, I had a patient who died of a heart attack on autopsy. There was this white, yellowy, pasty stuff that was in the arteries of his heart. Has anybody ever seen anything like that before? I mean, it's a hundred years ago. They didn't have white, high fructose corn syrup. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have, well, they didn't have prepared foods. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. They didn't have processed carbohydrates. They weren't eating three squares a day. And they were not eating three square meals a day. That's true. I was just asked the other day by someone new to us if I was the forbidden doctor. Of course I said no. The Forbidden Doctor is not me at all. We are not the Forbidden Doctor. Jack is not the Forbidden Doctor. It's in you. The Forbidden Doctor is that magical, mystical power inside of you that is controlling and healing you. It's that beautiful, marvelous, almost miraculous force that controls all healing. It's that innate intelligence, that life force-directed influence that triggered your DNA to guide the building of your body after conception. Yeah, it's that power that sustains your life, repairs your wounds and lesions, and it never stops working. It's that essential part of you that keeps you alive and heals your every hurt. This is the Forbidden Doctor. It's not me. It's that part of you. The powers that be have decreed forbidden to ever learn about or even consider and never, ever rely upon. For it is forbidden that you even know this life force exists at all. You are your own forbidden doctor. Yes. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And and Dr. Josh. There you go. And welcome back to the, uh, I don't have to introduce him now. And welcome back to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. This is podcast episode 189, the most controversial podcast we have ever produced. Yeah, I just checked my mic to make sure it was on (laughs) because I want to be part of this. Well, today we're going to talk about some forbidden stuff that's been hidden from you, covered up from you, stolen away from you (laughs) for way too many decades. Yes, this is foundational healing. This is going to be very exciting today. Yeah, and it's uh, the, the hackles are going to go up on, uh, you know, some of you when you hear what we're about to talk about, because it's going to smack against all your understanding of health and nutrition. While others of you, your heart is going to sing with what you hear in this podcast and let's just get to it. Our guest is Dr. Joshua Stockwell, a relative of mine. <laughs> Happens to be my son, works with me in the clinic. He's also a NUCA doctor uh, with a huge practice of his own. And the, um, probably the, the genesis of what we're talking about is his experience with this particular aspect of nutrition. And we have a podcast that incorporates some of his ideas. Podcast 184, I think. Yes, it uh, is. Where Dr. Josh talks about lectins and po- proton pump inhibitors. Today's this podcast is going to be, will be a great expansion of the concepts that were brought to bear in that podcast. 
So, Dr. Josh, welcome. I, Thank uh, you. Do I have to call my son Dr. Josh? Yes, no. you do. No, I guess. No, uh, she's the rule maker over there. Well, well he has, you ever get that he one right? has also lost 100 and some odd pounds, 125? It's over 100. Uh, from my heaviest, it's 130. Wow. And your health has dramatically improved. Yes. I would love to start off with that. Well, I remember you talking, uh, uh, you know, we've been working together for several years, and I remember you always talking about problems with the gut. Yeah. And that was before you went on to this crazy diet. Yeah, the majority of my life I've been, if not obese, morbidly obese. Um, thanks. The uh, I can remember having to shop for the husky-sized clothes. I always remember having a, a, a big body. But when you were little? Even when I was little. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, have fought with it my entire adult life. Uh, very shortly after I was married, I, you know, that whole cliche. Yeah. You, know, you get married and now you're not on the hunt anymore or being hunted. So <laughs> to hell with it. Yeah. If, you can eat me. Yeah, I can do anything I want now. Pardon my language if that's too much, but... No, it's fine. Anyway, yeah, the um, when you're in a state like that and you're having to shop for clothes at special stores, you're always finding or trying to find the solution that's going to be the right one for you. And I've tried tons throughout my adult life. I've done the master cleanse that has to do with lemonade oh, yeah, that that's... you make from organic lemons and maple syrup. I watched a person almost Cayenne. die doing that. Yeah. yeah, I did that for 40 days. I got a huge kidney stone from doing that back in 07. Oh, that's right. Remember that? Yeah. And then I've, I tried veganism at one point, Ooh. which I think made me the sickest that I have ever felt in my entire life was when I was doing veganism. Um, I, I knew very recently, well, like within the last five years that it was my gut that was the problem because when that was off, I felt the worst. Migraine headaches were associated with what I was eating. Um, of course the obesity is something that you always have to deal with. But from the time I was 11 years old, I had horrible digestive issues. I can remember being in middle school and having a horrible time going to the bathroom and to go through middle middle school and high school with those kinds of issues the entire time, Ooh. it really yeah, has a strong effect. A psychological. Didn't effect you also your... get double vaccinated? <clears throat> you know, when I went to live with my grandparents in West Virginia, I had you guys had saved me from vaccinations up to that point, but Granddad wanted nothing to oh, do with it. That's what it was. So I went and got the full spectrum all within a couple of weeks. Wow. I, I remember being there at least three times in that doctor's office for either oral or needle vaccinations. Wow. So, yeah, that hit me. And, you know, I, I, I would like to blame that for my issues, but I don't think that was the core issue. I don't think so either. I think it, it did, hurt me. It hurt you, but I don't think it, that's the core issue. Right. Right. The, you know, we were talking before the podcast and you mentioned that when we were weaning off of breast milk as little children, little infants, that you would give us a bottle with half water and half apple juice. Bad well, dad. Bad, I know, bad, 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 bad dad. dad. Yeah, he was but doing I, what he thought was right I at the time. Right? I was right because I had read books at that time on how terribly unhealthy 
thing. I did the same thing. Pasteurized milk was. Oh, yeah. And everybody was giving their kids pasteurized milk. Kids, Every kid was sick, yeah. you know, to some degree or another. So uh, Josh's mother and I thought the best thing to do was give them something healthy. Yeah, and fruit. we figured apple juice was healthy. Sure. So they'd get an eight-ounce bottle and four ounces of apple juice, four ounces of water. Uh, I don't know why we cut it, except well, maybe I for didn't. financial reasons. My first two children, I would unscrew those. But they don't make them anymore, thank goodness. But I would unscrew the lid of the Gerber bottle of juice and then screw on a, ni- a nipple, you know, lid. Right onto the bottle. Right onto the bottle, yeah. and just because it was so convenient, and just stuff it in my kid's mouth. I cannot believe I did that. There is something... Anyway. There's something that happens physiologically when you're introduced to that kind of sugar load mm-hmm. in a short period that of time. That's early in life. And the, the fact that you are in your mother's or your father's arms being coddled mm. and you get that bottle at the same time, now you're creating an experience where there's love and comfort involved with that sugar. Mm. And it is just this blast of of immense amounts of comfort. Now, that may be the most profound <clears throat> point ever made in our 187 podcast right there. So I started off from the very beginning having this association with sugar and comfort and love. Now, I, you know, I don't blame you at all. That's just the way it went. That's hey, the way it goes for the majority. Nobody could have loved their children more than your mother or I did at that time. We did the best we could to take care of you. And we just thought that was a good alternative and to I pasteurized the, milk. I have the fondest memories and so does childhood. everybody that vaccinates their sure. children. They well, love exactly. them. That's what they they're trying to the, do they think is it's protect what the, them. That's right. It's the thing to do. So very early on in my life, I found it uh, the habit. I mean, at five years old, I remember doing this, finding coins in the couch, finding coins in the car. Wherever there were coins, there was one thing I associated that with was the ability to buy penny candy at the shop. Oh. And I would come home and I, and I was good at deception because my mom would catch me with this bag of candy. And she said, Josh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm buying candy for everyone (laughs) when I had no intention of sharing it. But at that point I had to. And I thought, well, if I get at least part of this bag, that's good. (laughs) But, you know, no one knows that they're addicted at that point. But I certainly was. Yeah. And, and, And having you explain that story about the bottle, I understand it even further of why. I was so addicted at that point. Now, my addiction to sugar and refined carbohydrates continued until I was 44 years old. Yeah. And that, I think, is the main contributor to my obesity. The, one of the things that's good about being obese is that your problem is very apparent. There yeah. are a lot of people that have addiction to these things, and being, their detriment is in another way that is not as visible as obesity. Well, a lot of times people that eat a lot of sugar are very, very thin. I mean, right. I was, and you've heard, everybody's heard my stories of being addicted to sugar, um, going to sleep with bags of candy on either side of me. But I was very, very thin, which in my estimation is even scarier in a lot of ways. They don't have any playroom. So anyway, and they think they're healthy because yeah. they're thin. So Well, that's, that's the mindset Mm-hmm. Of in Western nations, if you're thin, you're probably healthy. If you're fat, yeah. you're unhealthy. But I couldn't even I couldn't even stand for five minutes. This is in my twenties and thirties. I used to wish they could invent a machine like the one we have, the Roomba, that could vacuum my house because I didn't have the energy to do it. I remember thoughts and thoughts when I was a young girl, a teenager, just exhausted. 
but go ahead, Josh. I remember when uh, I first met Mary and we started to date, and I just stuck my big fat nose into her pantry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a wonderland of treats. A wonderland of treats yeah. and breakfast cereals and every everything in there that is, was as detrimental to human health as possible. But, you know, I didn't have sugar fl- sugar cereal, but as you sh- were showing us, where you were showing us before we brought it started this podcast this website you can go to where you can see the sugar that's in things that you don't think is in things yeah you think someone you think coke yeah it's got a lot of sugar sugar pops of course they took the term sugar pops off as when i was a kid and now they call it corn pops as opposed to corn flakes yeah and somehow you think corn flakes is healthy when corn pops are really bad Corn flakes, eight teaspoons of sugar. More sugar in it than corn pops. That's right. For a bowl, because the corn pops are puffed and they're full of air. And so the mass is lower than a bowl of corn flakes. Corn flakes has more sugar in it than a bowl of corn pops. And, and it's not as simple as saying it's got a lot of sugar in it. it it's more, a little more complex than that in that its effect on the body is equivalent to this much sugar. Yeah. That, yeah that's, that's what's important. What, what's sitting there in the bowl is one thing. Its effect on the body is something else. Right. You can make a bowl of oatmeal and not put a single teaspoon of sugar in it, and it's still going to have the effect of four teaspoons of sugar. Yeah, here yeah. it is. Oat porridge for serving size, 150 milligrams, 4.4 milliliters, because this is a yeah liquid, four and a half, well, four and a fourth. Four and a half teaspoons. Yeah. Brand Flakes has 4.8. Special K has 4.0. Shredded wheat, um, 4.8. Mini wheats. These are without sugar. Mini wheats, 30 grams. See, look or, at that. I mean, 4.4 grams. Mini wheats, yeah. you know, less sugar than shredded wheat. And Corn Flakes has 8.4 Teaspoons of sugar, equivalent of sugar. For, a, for equivalent in a bowl. The the, uh, the sugar that's in the corn that went into the production of the flakes, plus the sugar they added to yeah. the corn flake. So that's what I thought I was feeding myself and my kids. You know, I didn't get the sugar cereal necessarily. I don't know. The day you came, maybe I bought one, but I needed convenience. Well, sure. You and were that's a, what a single mother with five children. Right. And you, it's not like you had a whole day to plan their meals. Huh. Well, you I can't understand. be hard on yourself over those situations. Well, and I couldn't wait till my kids left so I could have my, um, you know, cold cereal and chocolate milk. How many thousands of times did you see that these sorts of breakfasts are part of a nutritious breakfast as they're so oh, yeah, advertised yeah. Oh, on yeah. television, right? Or, yeah. or, I mean, or, or Cheerios being heart healthy. Oh, that kills Or me. Wheaties for that matter. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I came down with all those breast lumps at 36 years old, and I would not be sitting here today, but for marrying this guy <laughs> and, you know, changing my diet and Dr. Royal Lee and all the supplementation and getting my gut healthy again. But The way I healed myself has a lot to do with something that I watched you do within the first two years of coming. This is between 2013 and 2015. Yeah. And I remember you talking about how wonderful meat was and you ate meat at every meal and you ate lots of meat. And I thought it was a horrendous idea to do something like that. And I thought for sure, oh, she's going to have a sick colon. She's going to get really sick. Something's going to happen to her for eating like that because that's just outrageous to eat that much meat. I mean, these are the thoughts everybody thinks that, that I had in my head. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, a lot of it. And it was contrary to what healed me. But yeah, you know, there would be these ridiculous stories about um, John Wayne and his colon weighing 40 pounds because there was 40 pounds of crap in there when he was, you know, on his autopsy. And it was all meat. I mean, and, and, you know, the people that would promote this are people who are promoting the, the plant-based ideas. And just ridiculous nonsense stories, absolutely untrue. And I, me, me as well, you know. I remember when I was in uh, chiropractic college, and there was a lot of my classmates that were vegans and vegetarians. And I would listen to their ideas and their theories, and I thought, well, yeah, that made pretty, pretty good sense. Until you think about how the human digestive system is set up. And it doesn't make sense when you consider how the human digestive system works. It doesn't work like a cow's digestive system. The easiest foods to digest are animal foods. Yes, absolutely. If, if everyone listening to this podcast had a sound understanding of the function and the capabilities of the human digestive tract, they would have one food choice only, mm-hmm. and that's animal products, because that's the only thing you have the capacity to digest. And that's fully. why we're the forbidden doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're the forbidden doctor, for sure. But what this, I mean, the, the, you know, talking about the history, our history, and where we came from, and the choices that we were making in the past is only a testament to the success of of a system of media and information and programming that would leave someone eating completely contrary to their own anatomy. I mean that's that's where it led and that's that's a really scary thing. But it it you know it supports the idea that if you're really going to take care of yourself, you have to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to other streams of information. So thank goodness. I just heard a forbidden podcast. I just heard a doctor the other day say the way to heal Mm. a leaky gut, you need to eat more fruits and raw vegetables. That that's only going to further the problem. And and I spoke up like I always do. Where was this? It was on a webinar I was part of, and in the (laughs) chat box, I'm like, I take issue with that. Right. right. I tried to stay calm. I said, you cannot heal a leaky gut with fruits, and especially raw vegetables. You just tear it up worse. Yeah, I mean, you could do some fermented vegetables, I suppose, but why? Because you need why why even do that? Because you need fat and protein to heal. You know, that's a good point you bring up, Mary, because I remember one of the things that started to open my eyes to this was Dr. McBride when she was dealing with severely autistic children. We heard her say this. And you can only give them broth and a little meat and absolutely no vegetables. And I remember reading that and thinking, boy, that's awfully nutty. Because (laughs) the way I had been programmed up to that point, it was contradictory. And she said that there were children who had such adverse reactions to anything outside of animal products that if you gave them a teaspoon it was a dropper a, a dropper, it was a dropper of vegetable juice into a pot mm-hmm. of broth their, their symptoms would come and back and their symptoms would come back immediately mm-hmm. so you know that i st- that's when i started paying much closer attention to what's going on here and i was on when i was on the Doug Steffen show here a couple of days ago uh, i said something that almost to the to the point of being a broken record I said the same thing to him, as I've said many times. Doug, look at what we were eating as a population 100 years ago when there was zero heart disease and cancer, according to the CDC, was number 10 on the list of killers. 
the number one killer, of course, being accidental death. But heart disease wasn't even there. And heart disease, I think the first mention of heart disease was around uh, 1911, 1912. A cardiologist uh, wrote up a report printed in the New England Journal of Medicine, said, hey, I had a patient who died of a heart attack on autopsy. There was this white, yellowy, pasty stuff that was in the arteries of his heart. Has anybody ever seen anything like that before? I mean, that's 100 years ago. They didn't have white, high fructose corn and what, syrup. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have, the, well, they didn't have prepared foods. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. They didn't have processed carbohydrates. They weren't eating three squares a day. And they were not eating three square meals a day. That's yeah. true. What were they eating? Well, the majority of our population back then lived on farms. And when you go to the research reports, nutrition journals, and I've often told my patients and my radio audience, you have to look at nutrition journals written before World War II. Because after World War II, with antibiotics and vaccines, everything changed. But prior to that, you will find that the majority of people ate animal products and the majority of vegetables grown on farms with these animals was used to feed the animals. The animals, yeah. Well, well, you were saying also, you know, where did this phrase come from about eat your vegetables? Eat, eat your vegetables? Well, it's yeah. during the Depression. Yeah. You know, because then it was the big Republican Party saying a chicken in every pot. Yeah, we'll we'll get meat back in your kitchen for you. Yeah. So you don't have to eat vegetables all yeah. the time. But if you have kids that and are used to eating meat all the time and you the depression and then you give them all these vegetables, they're going to be really upset. Yeah. So that Eat, eat your, your vegetables. vegetables. Eat your vegetables. That's yeah. where it came because from. Because that's all you've got is what you're growing in your backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not growing cattle. You're not growing <laughs> pork. You're not growing poultry. You're growing vegetables because that's the cheapest thing that you can provide. And so you do the harvest. You do the canning, all that stuff in the, in the winter. You have your uh, larder or your fruit cellar or root cellar, I mean, where you try to keep the onions and potatoes fresh during the winter months. And uh, because those are survival foods. And that came out of the Depression when there wasn't a chicken in every pot. And, you know, Why would a political party, I mean, what kind of nutritional status must be going on in the country for one of the big pushes of the, of the political wave during the election period, chicken in every pot? Right. I mean, what, what did they not have that they had to say chicken in every pot? <laughs> well, I want to go back to this. You know, on our podcast, we talk a lot about eating what you crave. That's the most important thing because your body does the best triage of any doctor. But, of course, we always have to say, you know, eat what you crave, except sugar, breads, pastas, pizzas. We always say that meat, eggs, fish, dairy. Eat what you crave of meat, eggs, fish, dairy, and spices. Isn't isn't there a difference between an addiction... And, and having to fulfill it's that an, addiction and a craving. It's I mean, completely different, and, it's, and that's exactly what we tell them. It's an unnatural addiction. It is not a craving. There's a big difference between cravings and addictions. So, it, I mean, it's semantics. It's a little teeny change in words, but it's super important in my opinion. But what I wanted to get to was Dr. McBride, and she's 
my hero from, I, you know, between she and Dr. Lee, it's just covers all the forbidden doctor stuff. But she said, don't eat breakfast until you're hungry. Your body has not finished digesting or working through what it needs to work through. You listen to your body. And this, I just heard it today on a commercial. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Well, it is if you're hungry, but it should be fat and protein. And I know another person just three days ago that thought they were having a heart attack because they had a breakfast of an egg, which is great, but then they put a piece of toast on top of it, and then a f- half a cup of fruit, who knows in what, and then one more sugary Wasn't thing. There oatmeal? Yes, yeah. and then oatmeal on top of it. And she got acid indigestion so badly that she thought she was having a heart attack. She went to the the emergency room, and it radiated down her legs, And but Mary Yeah, miracles and miracles when it finally went away, when her body finally digested the the horrible mixing of food in her 80s, upper 80s, then she was fine. And they couldn't find any evidence of a heart attack or anything else. Yeah, they did an EKG that showed her heart was just fine. Just fine. So, and Mark Anderson, the president of Standard Process West, said the most important supplement for older people is Zypan. Why? Because you need the extra enzymes. Yes, and you got to break down that protein. You got to break down that protein to rebuild the meat that that that, that her digestion couldn't do anymore because there was so much mixing of fruit and protein and the it, fat. Is it true that there is a there's a decrease in the production hydrochloric of, acid? Yes. Well, it but, starts at forty years old. But what about enzyme Pan- pancreatic numbers? enzymes? Okay. Yes. Yeah, both. In so fact, that does there's, go down. there's a condition now called PEI. Pancreatic enzyme insufficiency. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. They've, they've actually diagnosed it now that people's pancreases are not producing sufficient enzymes. So the pancreas has a huge load on it if the stomach has not properly broken down the food, the, right. the proteins, the fats, the well, carbs. Well, when you throw a lot of carbs in there with proteins, mm-hmm. they go through two digestive, different digestive pathways. They sure do. And you're going, you know, it's like, it's like when you're teaching a class. The theory in teaching a class, whether it's math or religion, science, English, you end up aiming the class at the slowest person in there. Always. When I taught computer classes, it was the same thing. Exactly. And so when you're mixing stuff in the stomach, the thing that the stomach has the hardest time to digest is the thing that's going to hold up everything else. (laughs) I never thought of that. Yeah. And then that's where (laughs) the uh, fermentation takes place. Mm -hmm. That's where acids are altered in their structure. If you're lucky enough to have acid, because when you reach uh, my age, the the gifted age of the 60s, uh, your stomach isn't making acid anymore anyway. So that's why I try to take Zypan. I think it's making it. It's just not making as much. And you know, your stomach change, your microbiome adapts and changes all the time. You know how sometimes, even with your gut problems, Josh, that you would feel better some days. And then some days just horribly worse. Yes. So it's very dynamic, the gut. So depending on what you've eaten, the medicines you're taking, the toxins in the air that you put on your skin, the stress level, it all adapts. It's a beautiful orchestra. So let's get back. Let's address the idea of uh, a, a meat diet, a carnivore diet leading to disease processes. Because that's what we're told. We're told oh, yeah. that you're going to get oh, you're cancer. Oh, you're going to get colon cancer. You're going to get colon meat. cancer. You're going to get kidney I mean, that's, dysfunction. That's been, that's been 
broadcasted for a long time. Let's talk about that, especially this recent New York Times article. Yeah, you you know when they when they they there's a lot of studies out there where they're looking at what people are eating and because they're eating meat and have a higher incidence of cancer, they're blaming it on the meat, but they're not talking about anything else that these people are doing. Oh, yeah, because we know the plants cure cancer. Well, <laughs> isn't that the general understanding? Yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. So right. meat must be the bad guy. You own a vegetable juice fast or you go, you know, you go vegetarian in some way it's going to increase your health. And and I think in the first couple of weeks of making a change like that and dropping out some processed foods and eating only vegetables, initially you're going to feel pretty good. Dr. Gerson's cancer therapy always included liver, but does anybody know that? No, no. I think it's no. a vegetarian di- or a yeah. vegan diet. Every time. That's how I learned it. He said there were certain vegetables you can't eat, certain ones you need to eat, but it has to include liver. Is that just fascinating? Yeah. Liver's the best food. The most nutrient-dense food yep. on the planet is mammalian liver. Mm-hmm. And then red, red meat in four, general. Four ounces of liver, especially beef liver or calf liver. Four I was ounces convinced. Of ca- What's that? I was convinced that red meat was going to hurt me. Yeah. I was convinced through and through. Here's an article here. Red meat, the most perfect food for humans, closely followed by milk. In the Farmer's Guardian magazine. Yeah. And what's the date of that article? Uh, This month. November November, 2019. November 2019. Yeah, the Farmer's Guardian. Red meat, most perfect food for humans, closely followed And then down here it says red meat is the most nutritious food you have available on your plate. It contains all the minerals, all the vitamins, all the protein amino acids which are required in the correct ratio and all the fats which are required in the correct ratio. There's no other food that can do that for you. Maybe lamb, but... Red meat. Well, lamb is red meat. So okay, there you well, go. Let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about the politics of this because I don't want anybody to listen to what we're saying here and come away thinking that we are in favor of the commercial feedlots. Right. When when you get into how the food is sourced, you know there are ethics involved there. How are the animals being treated? What are the drugs that are being administered to them? Antibiotics, hormones, you know, vaccinations for everything under the sun, living in conditions of squalor. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of problems uh, in feedlots. And, you know, only a certain percentage of American beef is raised that way. I mean, there is a lot of ethical ranching and producing of red meat that happens out there. The majority of it is ethical. So I think it's important that when you make a choice of where you're going to get your meat, that you're really conscious and you've studied about where it's coming from and how it was raised. You know, it's interesting you mention that because I've noticed Mary and I travel a lot uh, relative to uh, our cashback work or the forbidden doctor work or NUCA or whatever else. And we we try to eat in finer restaurants rather than the real cheapo processed stuff. Our food, and, inter- and interestingly enough, on the menu, in the meat section of the menu, it will tell you where the beef is coming from. Such and such a ranch, such and such a farm. Now, not all of them do that, but I've noticed more and more this is taking place. Now, this is where you go into a restaurant and surf and turf or whatever else, and... It will if you're getting if you're getting a fillet 
or if you're getting a porterhouse or a ribeye over $30, they will list where that meat is coming from. There's restaurants here in town and up in Park City that have a restaurant or a farm up in southern Idaho that's fed with the waters of the Snake River into the pasture land and it's grass-raised beef. And more, I think, as more and more of the public demands this stuff, more and more finer restaurants will be doing this kind of thing to let you know the meat you're eating did not come out of the kind of feedlot you're talking about, right. but came from grass-pastured, grass-finished, not corn-fed animals. The majority of people that are listening to your podcast will not be able to afford a $30 steak dinner. You don't think? No. No, because I can't. Because if I'm going to sustain myself on red meat alone. I don't mean to sustain yourself on $30 steaks. Right. I'm not trying That's to prepared. imply that. You're paying for Wouldn't that be service? nice, though? <laughs> yeah. My whole <laughs> point. Every night. Well, I'm not buying $30 <laughs> steaks either. No. I mean, my budget doesn't allow that. But my point is the public is starting to wake up, waking up to awaken to this. Yes. It's, it's a it's a. It's a zeitgeist, so to speak. A zeitgeist that is a the hundredth monkey idea. That's mm-hmm. it. it. Yeah, and that monkey got over the wall, and now the word is spreading. And uh, our favorite store here in the Salt Lake area, Harmons, that we shop at, um, they're having more and more grass-fed mm-hmm. uh, meat in the produce department. Not produce, but in the meat section, the butcher section. When when, when you were raising your kids as a single mother. Mm-hmm. With the way those prices are on that grass-fed meat, would you be able to purchase it? Oh, no. It? No. And I, and I want to make that point because plants don't have livers and kidneys. They, they can't run away from predators. They have to have all these poisons on them so they don't get eaten. But animals, cows, for instance, the red meat, have livers and kidneys. So even if you can't afford the best cut of meat, Dr. McBride says... That she has very very poor patients. Yes. They eat pigeons. Right. Of course, actually, yeah. This is a really this, good point. They're, they're probably I'm, I'm healthy pigeons, because no. uh, I'm not trying. I'm not talking about you know gourmet level meals every day. Right. I don't mean to imply that. I just mean to, that the market is moving in that direction. The more the market yeah. moves in that direction, the more the price will come down. But at, at if the same all you time, can afford is pigeon, then that's what you eat. When. When I was at the peak of my sickness, okay, and I had an eye stroke, which oh. is where a blood vessel in the back of your eye go gives up and just no, not strong collagenous fibers, <laughs> right? Not that I didn't have. I have. I had chronic high blood pressure, really high blood pressure, and finally, you know, I have this change in my visual field in my left eye forever. It's I still have it. It's as if you looked at a lamp for 15 seconds and then looked away and blinked and you see the oh, shadow yeah, of the yeah. lamp. Well, I have that all the time, right in the center Ooh, of my left eye. That scared you? So that scared me. And I knew I had to do something. And Christian, my brother, had been following Jordan Peterson from Canada. And Jordan Peterson had talked about the carnivore diet and everything that it did for him and his daughter, Michaela. So... As ludicrous as an idea that I thought it was at the time of going all meat, I decided to try it. And my family was very, very adverse to it because I had done all potatoes. I had done the master cleanse. I had done all these stupid I things. I doing them. <laughs> I had done all these really stupid things. And, and they were like, oh, great. Here's dad going off on a 
tangent again. He's going to go crazy doing all of his restrictive diet. Within two weeks, they were doing it with me. Wow. After I started. And it was, the weight loss wasn't even significant at that point. Tell him about going to play basketball with your son. Oh, yeah. Well, I... <laughs> your grandson. You know, two or three weeks into this diet, I could run. Well, not full out run, but I, I jogged to the basketball court down the street from our house. I was able to jog down the street. Whereas two weeks before... I couldn't even jog to the end of my sidewalk in <laughs> yeah, my yeah. house. You're out of breath walking to right. the truck. 375 pounds, sick. 375 yeah. pounds. And what are you as of today? 275. 100 pounds. 100 pounds. My heaviest was 410. Yeah, you were up to 410. I did the GAPS diet that took me down 40 pounds to around 370. I, I went back that. up to 375. Well, you were so cute because you went on... I remember Jack and I would come home and shake our heads because you would go on these... these um, contests to lose weight right and you would sabotage yourself oh, every yeah. single time absolutely because you would come in with these piles of vegetables, vegetables. and you would juice and yep. juice and juice oh, at the I office remember that. Yeah. and then all of a sudden your weight loss stopped and and i would feel like absolute crap and i couldn't even go to the gym anymore to finish yeah and do you remember me saying josh you can't eat these vegetables there's tons of sugar in these vegetables what what are you doing it's going to rip up your gut i know blah, blah, blah. i know i know and jack and i would come home and be like We'd just be shaking our heads all night. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I'm no sterling example myself. I mean, <laughs> my yo-yo weight has been exactly that kind of a concept. But I went on carnivore earlier this year when you were on it, and I think I dropped 35 pounds. And then, because of my bad diet most of my life, uh, and soft bone. So it's the only thing I can uh, think. And the malnutrition of my teeth. I had at one time six root canals. I have two podcasts on this. I had all those root canals pulled out because they were poisoning my body. And so three months ago, I had implants put in and um, I could not chew meat anymore because those implants need to be left alone so they can root into the bone. And uh, I've had a carby diet for the last three months, and Wait, I have You could felt, have had hamburger. You could have had raw eggs. <laughs> there were ways. But you know, it's Do you true. know this woman over here? <laughs> do you know who this is? How'd she you get know, in here? Who yeah. gave her a microphone? It's the microbiome. Yeah, well. It screams. That's it. And I have been feeling like hell the last three months. But I, I'm, back on the, I'm back on the carnivore. Well, you haven't done too badly, baby, and you've lost 65 pounds and kept it off for, what, the last six years? Yeah. So, you know, give yourself a pat. Well, yeah. It, yeah, but I, uh, uh, when I think about what I ate today, I bet I did not have five grams of carbohydrates. Well, that's what I wanted to come back to. I was starting to say, Josh, you were talking about one meal a day. Is plenty. And it's funny because yesterday I had two pork chops and two eggs, one meal. That was it. You came home at four and I'm like, I'm not eating the rest of the night. I feel wonderful. And same thing today, the one meal. I didn't even eat till about, I had Mary's milkshake. Well, it was about five o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even eat till then. No hunger. None. Did you have Mary's milkshake for breakfast? Yes. And one day I had Mary's milkshake and I didn't want anything else but that. 
I was yeah. like, no, I'm done. When you lots of water, when you, tea. I had some when tea. you can break, when you can break the body's demand for sugar. And I've talked about this before. The the different there's two major uh, digestive pathways for carbohydrates. And just to make clear to everybody here, if it did not have a face, it's a carbohydrate. Yeah. You need to understand that. If it didn't walk around or fly around or swim around, it is a carbohydrate. And yeah, there and, are no essential carbohydrates. And there aren't, like there's essential fats and, and essential amino acids. There are no essential carbohydrates. And, um, but the sugar molecule, now whether, whether we're talking about a big bag of popcorn or we're talking about a Snickers candy bar or we're talking about a kale salad, at the end of the day, all those things break down into glucose into the blood as carbohydrates are. That's what they are is glucose. Starch, when we think about starchy foods, they're just long chains of glucose, but they're still glucose once they start to digest. Glucose has oxygen in the molecule. Fats do not. Proteins do not. But because a, a carbohydrate has oxygen in the molecule, your body will go after those things to get the oxygen out of it as fast as it can. Oh, it'll burn. And it will burn, just like pouring gasoline on a fire. And so your body, in its efforts to survive and to, and to continue that survival aspect of its own existence, uh, it, will, it will take carbohydrates over everything. But there's a price to pay. With carbohydrates, you have malnutrition of the fats and proteins that you need. You can fill up on carbohydrates. If it's processed carbohydrates, there's hardly anything left in it that's any good at all. White bread probably, milled wheat and white bread probably being the greatest offenders of Western diet. A diet of those things will lead to serious malnutrition, primarily B vitamins. But when you're dealing with carbohydrates, um, the, the, the body will go through glycolysis trying to build ATP, which it'll produce one ATP molecule for every one molecule of glucose. But there's something else called the oxidative phosphorylation process, where one uh, molecule of glucose will produce 33 molecules of ATP, and ATP being the gasoline of the body. That's what gives you energy. It gives you energy. But when you load the body with carbohydrates, it will go through the fermentation process of glycolysis. And you're eating all this food that produces very little energy, mm -hmm. which is why people on high-carb diets, uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the next day. Oh, they drop. They drop. They, they just, drop. It's like a even drug. Even though they're eating what they think is good for them. I know. Well, for the first half hour, you feel pretty good. Yeah, well, get, yeah, because you get, you that, get that surge. That fix. You get that surge of blood sugar, and then the insulin comes pouring out, and you get the big blood sugar into the cells of the body. You've got energy for a little bit, and well, then the drop hits. People, people and then don't. You reach for your candy bar. You yeah, reach for your soft drink. Because they, people don't get that a craving for sugar is also a craving for energy. Okay, Good so point. if you have protein and fat before you get hungry, you can avoid that, at least the intensity of it. So that's why doing a Mary's milkshake or a breakfast of eggs and bacon without the toast, without, without the, the orange, orange juice, juice, without the hash browns, <laughs> hash well, browns. Yes. Oh, you, no, not the hash browns. If too. you eat those the are my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> if you eat the proteins and fats first, they help balance out your your energy and why? Why for is the that? day. Why is that? Why? Is there more than twice as much uh, calories per gram of fat 
then there isn't a gram of protein or a gram of carbohydrates. A gram of protein has four calories. A gram of carbohydrate has four calories. But a gram of fat has nine calories of energy locked up inside of it because these are long-chain um, carbon hydrogen structures that are just sitting there waiting for the bonds that hold these fat structures together to be opened up to release the energy that's inside of fat. Fat is nature's way of storing energy. And interestingly enough, when you consume carbohydrates, your insulin levels go up. And what's the number one job of insulin? It's not getting glucose into the cells. It's fat storage. As soon as the insulin hits a certain level in the bloodstream, any free carbohydrate is going to go get turned into fat right yeah. away. So if you eat something with fat and sugar in it, your body's going to use oh, the sugar for tank. instant energy and store the fat. Yep. So donuts. Think donuts. So what happens when you stop eating carbohydrates to the body's physiology? What happens you when you change give up your the carbohydrate and you start eating fat-protein mixtures ratios that equal the fat protein ratios of your own body you start burning ketones instead of sugar yeah and where the ketones come from comes from the oxidation of the fat and ketones are just little nuclear balls of energy floating around in the system the brain thrives on ketones this is why a ketogenic diet or the keto diet is so beneficial for children with um, brain problems. Yes. Uh, epilepsy, these kinds of things. Yep, the fat. Because uh, it floods the brain with fat. Your fat by weight is more than half fat. All that white matter in the brain is the myelin fat that insulates the neurons from one another so that you can have the tremendous electrical activity that's taking place inside the brain, and it, which, which can't happen properly without proper insulation, and that's what the myelin is, the neurolemma. Yeah, and what do we do? We send our kids to school with sugar spiking and dropping. I mean, they're, they're spiking and crashing all day long. Yeah. Up and down, up Us and down. Using sugar as a main dietary source for, for calories is like having to sleep through the night with a fire. You have to stay warm all night. You're going to freeze. So the only fuel you have for that fire happens to be lighter fluid. <laughs> so instead of having logs there to burn all night, you've got to wake up every 20 minutes to spray, but not even 20 minutes. I mean, you get two minutes of flame. Ooh. And it burns hot and rich. And look at all that lighter fluid just going up. And then it's gone. And then you need more. So you got to spray more lighter fluid on there. Yeah. This is why. Constantly. That's what it's like levels, eating sugar. Yeah. This is why energy levels level out in the body when you have fat. Because fat does not have oxygen inside of it. It has to be oxidized. Oxygen is required to release the, exigen, oxid, or the energy inside of a fat molecule. And that t primarily takes place in the liver. Fats are converted to a certain form in the liver. They get wrapped up with proteins. We call them lipoproteins. They go into the bloodstream. They're delivered to the cells. Um, the, the protein or the fat structures are too big to get inside the cell. So there's a hormone that breaks them down on the surface of the cell. The fat gets inside the cell. And then you get a slow burn instead of a fast burn inside the cell for cellular energy. But this also brings up, if you go on this type of carnivore diet and you don't have a good liver, 
Oh man! Oh, you're gonna have problems if you do have a good That's liver. Some you will have a lot of- you will become what you feel wonderful on this. Go I, ahead. I encountered that issue. Yeah. I don't suggest to anybody. You get your start liver this diet first. without proper liver and, supplementation and healing. And why is that? Because your liver is your main source of fat metabolism. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Produces yeah. the bile that helps emulsify the fat. Yeah. It's just like if it's it's, it's like pouring you know, the high-grade quality gasoline in a gas station into an engine or the tanks of an engine where half of the rods don't work, the mm-hmm. valves are sticky, uh, so there's we, sludge buildup, and so you're wasting the quality of that fuel until you clean the engine. So choline is a what we call a liver detergent or decongestant maybe, but I would recommend going on at least, you know, 12 choline a day, maybe more. That helped me tremendously. Tremendously. Now, recognize too. I remember you doing that. Choline yeah. is a big part of the egg yolk. So, right. Right. So, the Mary's milkshake again would be helpful. But literally, choline is from Standard Process. You can get it on our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com. Literally will help decongest that liver. Then I would do some supportive supplements like Livaplex, uh, maybe even Eat Liver. Well, you're, you're, you're preparing. I mean, what would you recommend, Josh? You know, I, I have A gallbladder cleanse? I haven't <laughs> tried. Yes, a gallbladder <laughs> cleanse would be great. Yeah, you be careful with those. Yeah, those... You the, follow the, our instructions explicitly on that. Right. The, you don't want stones ripping up the bile ducts. You have to sufficiently soften those stones yes. before you pass them. Yes, but still. But then that method requires... Tons of carbohydrates, unless you do the disodium phosphate. No, oh, that's what we recommend. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the um, I haven't introduced liver as a part of my meat source yet. Oh, but I it's love something liver. I definitely want I to try I love liver doing. when it's cooked properly. I love it. Yeah. Because I find myself craving something more, and I think it might be the liver. It could be. But you that's after 15 shots. months of doing this. Yeah. We have... We have liver shot recipes on our website somewhere. All right, let's talk about uh, where people can go to learn more information about the carnivore diet and all of the incredible fountain flowing forth of cases where all of these horrible conditions inside the body are reversing. Depression, it's a huge one. Before we mention those websites, I I want everybody to know that they can go to Twitter and Instagram and follow some really great sources of information from Dr. Sean Baker, Michaela Peterson. All you have to do is go to Twitter and type in carnivore and then start following the people who have the most concise and ready information. I mean, to, to listen to their posts every day, not listen, but to read them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have tons of, of research articles and resourced information. They show you their sources. Um, they, they, they have tons of, of before and after photo shots. And that, um, this is one example of what you can find on Twitter because this is, this is something here that I found that I think is just incredible. This is the tip of the iceberg of what you can get from these news feeds. Um, from the book Obesity and Its Treatment from 1882. This is Dr. Wilhelm Epstein. This is what he says about obesity in 1882. Fatty foods are crucial because they increase satiety Mm -hmm. and so decrease fat accumulation. Avoid sugar, 
avoid sweets and potatoes, limit bread and vegetables, meat of every kind may wait, be Wait, wait, eaten. wait, did you say vegetables? You, you did, right? 1882. Uh. Meat of every kind may be eaten and fat meat especially. Yeah. What, what I see you eat, Josh, this is, this just blows my mind. I mean, give us, give us some of your best, I don't want to say recipes, but you know, I walk into that kitchen at our office and the food that I see is so delicious looking. And a lot of times we'll order in food for our lunches, for our office meeting lunches. And we have these disgusting little boxes right. of food. Yeah. And, and Josh, you just sit there and shake your head all the way through lunch <laughs> and you're pulling out these you're pulling out these trays of, I don't know, bacon wrapped everything. Bacon wrapped bacon. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll make a whole tray of bacon and eat the whole thing. Yeah. I'll cook one and a half, two pounds of ribeye steak and eat every last bit of fat and gristle. And I cannot believe it. what you eat. Now, to me, this, this is hard for me. You'll, you'll chew up that gristle and that fat. And I think this is so, so important because people go on the Atkins diet and they eat this lean meat and they no. blow out their kidneys yeah. and they, and, and they, you know. Now, I want to say something about that. Okay. Because Atkins, before he died, before mm-hmm. he slipped on the ice and banged his head, in his, his last edition of his book, started introducing the concept of higher amounts of fat. Oh, I don't think it was him. I just think that's what people think. Yeah, did. that's what people think. It's they just think meat, fat's bad for rare them. meat, and nothing else. Yes. But the fat component, complement, has to be there. Has to. Now, when you were, you're reading, a, quoting from a book of 1882, right. the doctor that <clears throat> the movie moguls of the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s would send their movie stars that started to pudge up a little bit. They'd send them down to Malibu, where Dr. Francis Pottinger had his clinic. Pottinger is probably the most famous for his book on Pottinger's cats, mm-hmm. when he showed what happened to various populations of cats fed cooked meat, cooked milk, versus raw meat and raw milk. Pasteurized milk, yeah. Pasteurized milk mm-hmm. and then raw milk. And, and sweetened condensed milk. And what that did to the brains and the, and the, and the bodies of these animals. They sterilized them. But sterilized oh, them. They the, went for the next generation were sterile. They became fierce. Yeah. And you'd walk in the cage and they'd climb up the things and scratch and scream and, and, and whatever the cats do. The ones that were fed raw milk and raw meat just laid around. Yeah. Just laid around, Docile. preened Had one another. Had lots of babies. Strong jaws and teeth Very structure. powerful teeth, very strong jaws. But when these, mo- these actresses would get a little pudgy, they'd send them down to Pottinger for about six weeks. Fat and meat. Fat and meat. And within six weeks, they were back to their beautiful, trim, healthy, rosy-cheeked condition, <laughs> back ready for the camera. So tell me what some of the things you eat. Yeah, that's, a, that's good. What's your breakfast? If you have breakfast, what do you have? It's really easy. <laughs> Steak. Steak. And if you are hungry at lunch? Steak. Okay. <laughs> and I think you intermittent fast. You don't normally eat in the evening, but if you did? Steak. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, they, of course, you know, when there's some variety there, there'll be a lot of bacon. I eat a lot of bacon. At Thanksgiving, I like lamb. Mm-hmm. Leg of lamb is absolutely delicious. Turkey. If I knew how to do that myself, I'd do it. But I know how to cook a really good steak, so that's what I eat. Yeah. And the gristle and the fat, 
when you get a piece of steak that's got the gristle and the fat on it, that's the good piece. Uh, All the red meat gets boring. Yeah. See? But the, the fat and the gristle. Well, that's really what we've done for, for we've eaten the fat. I mean, that's yeah. the most important part. The organ meat is the most nutritious part of any animal. And they would throw the other parts, the smooth muscle to their dogs and their animals, you know, their carnivore animals. Well, to where, eat. where do most of the organs in processed beef and pork go to now? The brains, the hearts, thyroids. To dog food. To dog food. We were out at Standard Process walking down the halls, and we're with, the, I think it was the vice president of production, and he was saying, you know, we're really getting worried because it's hard to get glandulars anymore because nobody wants them. And I said, well, where do they go? He says, well, a lot of people just throw them out because nobody will buy them. Nobody will buy pituitary. Nobody's going to buy adrenals. But he says, so they just throw them out. It's easier than trying to preserve them and sell them and all this type of stuff. But I said, but where do they go if they don't do that? He goes, oh, dog food. You know, the dog food companies, the cat food companies, pet food companies buy this stuff because that's how they make such nutritious animal foods. There was an avian flu here in 2015 in the United States and China stopped buying turkeys and chickens from us. Even though the flu and everything was completely gone by 2017, they just now started to buy chicken and turkey from us again. Get this. If they have chicken feet, now this isn't glandulars, but if they have chicken feet from all this chicken processing in the United States, they would have to you know, render it and, and break it down into nothing and sell the sludge for five cents a pound. But they will buy the chicken feet in China for 87 cents a pound. It's going to make a billion dollars a year just selling chicken feet to China. Chicken feet. Right. So there are tons of other parts They're of the so animals nutritious. that are being thrown away. No, McBride says tick, chicken yeah. feet are super nutritious. The collagen content yep. of chicken feet. Yeah. And that collagen and, and the lysine and uh, cysteine aspects of the amino acids that make up the collagen. And you were talking about Dr. McBride. Some people went to her house. Yeah. And she cooked for them. Yes. There's some crazy food series on either Netflix or Hulu. And it, I was so surprised and delighted yeah, to see that she was, a, she was a guest on there. Okay. And they actually went to her house and she cooked them a fish, fish broth, an organ. With a head. The fish head. The fish head. The fish head broth, fish which head she broth. always is saying is the best to cook. And then uh, it reminds me of the song Fish Heads when I was growing up. <laughs> fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish. <laughs> Eat them up, yum. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> she was actually cooking the fish heads. But this guy tried all the broths. And, and the organ. And you, you saw the actual pot with all of the organs in it. And you could see there was liver. There was all different sorts of organs in there, including Eyeballs. the kidneys. And, and it, it, you know, it looked incredibly awful. But he sat there and sipped them and tried them and well, the broth from them wouldn't be what did bad. he think he it was different than anything he had ever tried in his entire life but it was still he, it was surprisingly uh not bad <laughs> day, you know you don't want to call it tasty because yeah. it's a well, completely it how you flavor. spice it up yeah, and, um, and you guys had talked about that earlier. The, 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 what the spices do to, yeah. to yeah. spark certain aspects never of digestion. Eat without spices, ever, 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 and never put sugar with meat, ever. I mean, it becomes indigestible. Yeah, it completely alters. So, the all you guys structure. coming up on Thanksgiving with the honey hams, 
Mm-mm-mm. Uh, you're looking for some digestion reflux at that issue. Point, yeah. Reflux. Yeah, that's yeah. reflux. And, yeah, reflux on the table. Yeah. Can, you know, we, can we talk about these uh, extra sources people can go to? Meatheals.com. Oh, yeah. Meatheals.com. Okay, that, I'm on that page. This is an incredible page. They have pictures, befores and afters of incredible... Well, before and afters. And then down at the very bottom, they have... The transformations are insane. Yes. They're they're incredible. Um, Categories. And it starts at ADD, addiction, adrenal health, allergies, all the way down, ulcerative colitis to the very bottom, weight loss. (laughs) That's Um, the easiest thing You know, there's everything. Psoriasis, PTSD, migraines, liver, hypersensitivity, GERD. Um, the biggest I want to mention, I'm sorry, uh, but I, before we're done here, I, I want to bring up the weight loss thing again. Sure. Where does the weight gain come from? The number one weight storing hormone in the human body is insulin. Mm-hmm. What triggers the release of insulin? The presence of glucose in the blood. Mm-hmm. Where did the glucose come from? It didn't come from meat. It didn't come from fat. It comes from carbohydrates. Right. What is a carbohydrate? Anything that didn't have a face. So when you eat carbohydrates, insulin is released. Insulin stores any extra energy that's not being consumed. Most of us lead sedentary lives. We need very little energy to support our sedentary life. You eat carbohydrates, you're going to get fat. Mm -hmm. You stop the carbohydrates, the insulin levels normalize, the fat of your body is consumed along with the fat that you're eating, and you lose weight. It's that simple. You can have freedom from sickness and disease. You can have optimum function of your body um, depending on how much damage you sustained in a carbohydrate lifestyle, like I did for 44 years, I'm still trying to understand the extent of the damage. Degenerative that I did to bone disease. No matter what it is, if you, because you're alive and you're breathing, you can bring back so much healing and function to your body if you give it the proper fuel. Meat Heals is a great testament because it's got thousands of testimonials that talk about how people return to normal living after being incredibly ill, whether it was weight loss, whether it was depression, whether it was rheumatoid arthritis, whether it was heart disease, it's all on there. Um, the, the, the depression aspect, you, you, you mentioned the weight loss part. So many people want to lose weight. But then you also have this huge population of people that are chronically depressed. And a lot of them, unfortunately, it's happening because of their food choices. And if you can limit the foods that are causing the psychological breakdown in your body and bring back the proper fats and amino acids and, and the, everything necessary for your brain to just think clearly, you can get rid of depression and anxiety in, in a lot of instances. I understand that not all depression comes from poor food choices, but a whole lot of it does. Uh, well, um, your daughter and your sister. Yeah, my sister Susie, she, was, she had attempted to um, end her life back in 2013. And very recently, with all the changes in medication that have happened with her over the years since then, she was finally getting to the point where she was waking up sad every morning and not really seeing the point of continuing at all. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was for her. And one of my siblings was telling her, oh, it's all in your head. You got to just think differently. That's all you have to do. And this, 
No, there she had something that was affecting her physiology on a day-to-day basis that was that was causing her to be incredibly ill in her mind. And I showed her Michaela Peterson's website and michaelapeterson.com, M I K H A I L A, Michaela Peterson.com. It's Peterson with an O. MichaelaPeterson.com. She's changing her website right now. But if you put her name into YouTube, you can see her testimonial videos. And that's what I wanted Malia, or I mix Malia and Susie up all the time. <laughs> I wanted Susie to see those, my sister. And I sent her the links to all of Michaela's videos. And she wrote me back and said, I've listened to her videos and I resonate with what she said. I'm going to try this. From the day she started, she never woke up sad again. Oh. Isn't that something? From the day she started, and she was ready to kill herself once again. And she was raised at the same table that Josh was raised. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it it was even worse when she was there. You know, I remember uh, when I was in chiropractic college, and like any student in school, you have no money. But when you're a student in school with a bunch of kids. You had seven. What are you going to feed these kids? And one of the things that my wife did was we would every time student loans would come out we'd buy meat we'd Mm. buy sausages we'd buy hamburger meat and we'd buy turkeys Mm. and we would roast the turkey and have a turkey meal and then she would somehow miraculously turn that turkey carcass into a huge pot of turkey soup oh beautiful she'd cook the bones she'd cook the meat and neither one of us was doing that from an idea of a step up in nutrition. We were doing it because that's about all we could afford. And the default of that was that there was a certain level of nutrition there that we would not otherwise have been able to get. You know, I was talking to a girl that's very, 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 very sick. And she came in to see me and, well, into my home. And she had a big thing of cookies. She brought in for lunch and doc, and doctor, they were yeah. the, they were the M&M type cookies. Okay. That have the M&Ms. Like a chocolate chip with yeah, the, the M&Ms. The most horrible in. things ever. Yeah. And like that caller said on your radio show said, you can't even taste the peanut butter and peanut butter cookies anymore. All you taste is sugar. Anyway, that's what that thing was. And then she brought the, the Dr. Pepper, always the Dr. Pepper and then the Lunchables. And I, and I, and she's got a terrible problem, which I won't mention. And I said, you've got to go on Mary's milkshake. You have got to start rebuilding your bones that keep breaking and other things. You've got to get some fat and protein, some raw fat and protein into you. She said, I showed her the four things that are in the Mary's milkshake. She said, I can't afford that. I said, why? It's groceries. You, you bought the cookies. You bought the Dr. Pepper. That's more expensive. And that's why I was telling, when you said that, that reminded me, it's cheaper to go eat broth and to eat chicken and to eat. Because you don't need to eat as much. It's like Josh was saying a little bit earlier, the satiety aspect of fat. Yeah. When, when your body sees that fat in it and it's oriented towards fat oxidation for its energy, and there's so much more energy in fat than there is carbohydrates, and the fat is released on an even keel rather than up and down of mm-hmm. sugar, uh, you, you, a few bites, yeah. you know? Now, when Josh is talking about steak here, he's not talking about a 32-ounce steak. Well, And so by the time you eat that steak, there's something in you that says, oh, thanks. Yeah. And well, you can go, what, hours? Hours without ever feeling hungry again. Yeah, I've I eaten once her. today. 
Yeah, me too. And I and I called her a couple of days later and said, "Did you get the ingredients for Mary's milkshake?" And she said, "No, I can't afford it. I'm going to have to wait till my next paycheck." And I'm like, "Are you not going to eat until your next paycheck?" Well, obviously, you're going to eat. You're going to spend money on food. So you need to eat the most dense nutrition, as Dr. Royal Lee said. We need to eat dense nutrition because we have to have time to create. We're not animals. Where we graze all day Where we long. graze all day and munch that, that grass. You know, we, we, we can't do that. We can't live on that. We can't create and build space shuttles and, you know, everything else that they do. And, and so we have to eat very dense nutrition. We have to eat the thing that ate the thing that ate the thing that ate the thing that ate the thing. That ate the thing because we're at the top of the food chain. I'm sorry. I hate to get your meat from good places that don't. Yeah. You know, I was talking about those Twitter feeds and stuff. Mm-hmm. There, there are people on there that say, look, I, I'm a single mom. I'm raising four kids. The only meat that I can buy is ground beef right. from Walmart and right. bacon. What's and wrong with it that? Still worked. Worked. Yes, it still it's worked. Still worked. They said ground beef and bacon. Yeah, and it, is there a child who turns down bacon? Gosh, if there's one, I don't know who they are. <laughs> and if they are turning down bacon, their microbiome's got to be so guys, sick. Gotta be so really sick. sick. They sick want kid. carbs, 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 yeah. carbs, carbs. When you get an autistic child, that is the biggest fight of every parent with an autistic child. Is all they want is carbs, and that's why when they grow up, a lot of times they become addicted to marijuana and heroin and you know all kinds of illicit drugs because they are waiting for that next fix, that next fix, that next fix because they can't survive in a calm world it, that's a whole nother study or my, topic i'm not going to go there but my kids started carnivore because not because the weight loss was so extreme two weeks in but because their ogre irritable father was absent and gone oh. and this new person was now living in their house oh that's a really strong psychological change that happens quite quickly. Well, your brain's being fed when, for once. Yeah, you got the, you know, you got the correct um, ingredients for the right kind of hormones, the right. feel-good hormones. We're coming towards the end here, and there's one more thing that I wanted to address. Let's let's do the. Let, oh, oh, if, if you want to, if you want to start this and you want a guide on how to do it correctly, you go to Carnivore Aurelius. Oh, what a name! Dot com. How, why would they name it? Marcus that? Aurelius. I was going to say they named it after Marcus. Marcus oh. Aurelius. He was the last of the five good Roman emperors. Yep. A Stoic philosopher. And uh, he mixes the carnivore with the philosophy of Marcus Aurelius, oh, cool. and it's absolutely fantastic. That's A U R E L I U S Aurelius. They have a thirty-day start guide. Carnivore Aurelius. So that's the other one. So yeah, they and then thirty days. St- oh, I didn't know that. He has a thirty-day start guide on there, and also JustMeat.co has every research article <laughs> that you could ever want to consume. JustMeat.co. If you want to do the research, which I strongly suggest you do if you're going to go into something like this, educate yourself and go to JustMeat.co and get all the information. I love this tagline. Eat meat, drink Drink water, water, change change your your life. life. 100%. Take (laughs) back control of your life. Okay. Now, in relation to what you just said, the last point I want to address here is the forks over knives idea. The tremendous push in this country from different directions that we are not meat eaters, we're plant eaters. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes. It's really easy to decipher when you follow the money 
when you hear stuff like vegetables are the way to go, like game changers that just came out, I I would suggest that you don't watch game changers because it's a load of bull, but you got to look at the producers of game changers, which includes of Titanic fame and avatar fame. John, not John, Jim, uh, Cameron, James, 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 James Cameron. Okay, he's got $140 million invested in the largest pea protein manufacturing plant in the world. <gasps> really? That is a conflict of interest. <gasps> that suggests immediately that the information that is presented is not for your benefit, but for his bank account. Do you understand this? <laughs> well, it's like Dr. It's Paul. I, I hesitate to use the word doctor, but Dr. Paul Offit of the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia who is probably the doctor vaccine for the entire world. He owns a multiple number of vaccine patents. Exactly. And so there's an immediate conflict of interest there. The CDC owns a multiple of vaccine patents. And, of course, they're all pro-vaccine. It all comes down to money anyway, the flow of dollars. So in the concept the, the last thing I really want to talk about here is in the concept of being vegetarians and eating vegetables. You mentioned earlier you could do it for a short period of time because they do have a cleansing effect. Mm-hmm. Now, where is that cleansing effect coming from? Is the body trying to cleanse itself of the effect of the vegetable? Or is there something in the vegetable the body is using to detoxify itself? For a short period of time, what difference does it make? A lot of people who have very toxic livers, toxic guts, everything else, they go vegetarian. And for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, they feel a lot better because of the detoxifying effect that some effect, some where that's coming from, I don't know. But some effect on the body to help it reduce the toxic load. But there's a point in doing this where they get hungry. The angry vegan comes out. Be, they, they, yeah, well, that's, we've always, we've mentally kid, ill mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that's going to happen to them. If they're a true vegan, they will become mentally ill. Well, we've kidded about this, that a vegan is just a pissed off vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, we've kidded about that from time to time. I think there may be some truth to that. Well, you'll never hear a carnivore stop eating that way for health problems. They, that's a great point. Yeah. There's no carnivore that ever said, yeah, I had to stop that because I had so many health problems. But how many vegans say that? All the time. All the time. All Go the to time. YouTube and you can see... Hair falling out. Hundreds of testimonials Depression. of former vegans who are now saying, I can't do this anymore because yeah, my, well, when my I teeth were salt, so bad or my hair is falling yeah, out. Yeah, that, that's right. Where their hair is falling out. They have no energy. They're listless. Their skin gets pasty. I, uh, when I consult with a new patient... And dietary stuff comes up, and they happen to mention, oh, I wonder if you could help my daughter. She's so depressed, just like my daughter, your sister. And I'll ask, 16 years old, how, you know, what does she eat for breakfast? So she doesn't eat breakfast. Oh, yeah. Well, what does she eat for lunch? Well, maybe some tater tots. And what does she eat for dinner? Well, if I try to force a salad down her. Because that's good. And I say, well, would she eat eggs and bacon for breakfast? Oh, no, no, that'll make her fat. And, and so this is what I'm up against all the time. And I'll, I'll tell them, listen, until you start getting eggs, 
and bacon in her for breakfast or eggs and fish or eggs and beef or eggs and poultry. I don't care. But eggs and eggs and something else. Or Mary's milkshake as well, now it's, Carrie now, found yes. out with her three teenage daughters. Mm. They used to fight all the time every morning. And now she says they get along beautifully. Yes. Yeah, because they're drinking. Because yes. they're she, starting she the day them. off with protein and fat. Yeah, Mary's milkshake every day. Yeah. Anyway, and, and the oldest... Uh, go ahead. And so when I, when I consult with them on this subject... Yeah, she wasn't going to say anything. Remember that? She said, you guys are going to have to carry the conversation. I, I don't think I can say <laughs> Anyway, it's, and, the, and the mother will go, oh, but won't that make her fat? And so I have to start all over again. But I have, we have podcasts, and this is another podcast that I can refer to. Yeah. The oldest artwork known to man. The cave paintings? Yes. Where they're harvesting broccoli? <laughs> they're eating oatmeal. Yes, they're Isn't eating. They're sitting there in the cave paintings eating oatmeal. No. The oldest painting known to man, 40,000 years old, is of a bull. Yeah. Hunting there's these a reason. animals. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason the for that. The sacred cow, holy cow. Well, there's a reason why cows are sacred in India, and it's not because that there's someone saw an angel riding on the back of a cow once. Yes. It's because it produces... The milk. Milk. The go- and why kill the golden goose? The golden exactly. goose, the fairy tale of the golden goose that constantly gives you golden eggs and causes all kinds of prosperity with an animal that gives you such incredible nutrition on a daily basis. The egg. It's the the golden, perfect food. So I want to get back goose. to what <clears throat> I was saying would be a conclusion here because we've gone on well over an hour. Um, and that's the digestive pathway that's involved in digesting our foods. The human digestive The pathway. human digestive. Now, in contrast to a ruminant, like a cow, a sheep, um, a deer, they have multiple stomachs. They There's, have multiple chambers in their stomach. In the stu- yeah, that's, well, that, that's, I'm, I stand corrected. And a multiple different chambers. microbiome. And a in different, each one. In each one of them, there's a different host of bacteria. Some ferment. And so uh, there was somebody who was paid by some... Um, um, you know, agri- or, uh, you know, every state has its own uh, agricultural college. You know, here in Utah, it's Utah State. There's, uh, you know, uh, Texas A&M. Various states have the agricultural colleges. And in those agricultural colleges, they have a huge animal husbandry section. Mm-hmm. And they actually got somebody to go out and watch a cow chew. <laughs> it's in some report. It's out there. And they found out that when a cow would take a big bite of alfalfa, is she making fun of me? No, all the time, all the time. But there's a study that exists. But there's a study, yeah. and someone went out there and watched the cow take a big bite of alfalfa and chewed it 200 times. <laughs> That's and then they, and then from, they huh? watched it swallow it. And then it would take another bite and chew it 200 times. And then after a couple of these, it would regurgitate what it had chewed mm-hmm. back up into its mouth, and it chewed it another 200 times, wow. trying to convert that alfalfa into a green soup. And so that soup went into the stomach, and people mistakenly think that that stomach at that point is going to digest it. No. But that's not what happens no. at all. No. In reducing that alfalfa to a bowl of green soup, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes it available for the bacteria that exist in these compartments of the stomach to further digest and further digest. And it's not that the cow makes cellulase 
to break down the cellulose fibers of the alfalfa. The bacteria the in the stomachs, in the stomach, the, the room has the cellulase right. to break down the cellulose structure to release the nutrition inside the cells of that plant. And what do those bacteria convert that food into? Essential fatty acids. Into fatty acids. They're on a high fat diet. And they diet. live on, and a cow lives on a high fat diet, just like we're talking about in this discussion. But the digestive process works completely differently because they have bacteria, not hydrochloric acid. And that cow will be a lean, muscular animal until you feed it something that will make it fat. Corn. Grain. Grain, and it works the same for pigs. It works the same for human beings. Yeah. You feed them grain, you're going to fatten them up. Grain for gain was always the watchword. So... What's the human digestive system? If you were to judge what a human should eat, plant versus meat, just by the teeth alone, you're not going to get very far because you can masticate, you can chew up plant products just like you can chew up meat products. You can chew glass for crying out loud. You have canines to tear. Right. But you can't judge the digestive tract on that. You have to judge what someone should eat looking at their digestive tract as the chemicals that are available for the digestion once the mechanical digestion is over. Once they get through chewing and, and then they, and I'm, I'm not saying you should chew 200 times. I think, and it up. I no. think you know, Wouldn't get a lot of creating. I remember done. when I was a kid, my mother saying something, we well, got to chew it 20 times or something in like a, that. In, in a properly functioning, functioning human digestive tract if all you did was rip a big piece of raw ribeye right off the steak chew it twice and swallow it there's enough digestive action chemically in your body that it would turn most of it to soup we watched lucy eat a mouse in about 20 seconds flat oh yeah just she'll she'll bite it in four or five different yeah they don't have molars or if they do, they're very... It's just like I mean, gone. All, the brains are gone, everything. I watched her eat a little bird one time, and she ate the feathers, she ate the feet, she ate the beak. It was just gone. There was a couple of feathers going poof, poof. Yeah, now we don't have that digestive system. No, we no. have one very similar to it. Mm-hmm. And so we have, once we chew and, um, and we swallow, it goes into a bag of hydrochloric acid. And even more important is the enzyme that's released by the stomach Pepsi. because it, it's targeted towards something specific and you understand what pepsin does mm-hmm. then wouldn't it suggest that you eat mm-hmm. that thing that pepsin breaks down up collagen that's just common sense mm-hmm. well yeah and, and just let's just talk that through because when <clears throat> when you smell a steak and some. Oh, I can't stand the smell. Well, you know, or butter cooking. Yeah, most oh, people can. I hate the smell of butter cooking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that release begins, and when you start chewing, there's more released, and when that food, that meat, gets down into the stomach, the giant cells and the parietal cells that line the inner lining of the stomach start pumping out. That this is where the the proton pumps. It just starts pro sticking out a hydrogen ion. These millions of cells that surround it. And that hydrogen ion grabs a hold of water, chloride, and forms hydrochloric acid. That hydrochloric acid is designed to break down proteins. You can eat a big salad. That salad will go in there. It will trigger a little bit of hydrochloric acid, but not much. 
and it will leave the stomach because the stomach has to get rid of it, push it into the small intestine in mostly an undigested state. Mm -hmm. But when animal protein is in there and the hydrochloric acid comes out in a tremendous amount, it'll eventually get as hot as battery acid. And when it gets down to a pH between two and three, that'll dissolve almost anything. Pepsin is released, as you were mentioning. And pepsin has only one function, to digest collagen. And collagen is only found in one source of food, animal products. That's what holds the muscle cells together. That's what holds the collagen is the glue of the body. We keep hearing about these collagen products all the time for, for cosmetics. And then here's this collagen you should take to build the collagen in your body, which is really kind of silly. But don't eat meat. But yeah, but don't eat meat. And collagen. Maybe if I take all this collagen, I can still go to McDonald's. Yeah, you know, I, this is the wrong kind of thing. So that pepsin just rips that collagen to pieces and it takes those proteins and starts to break them down into what are called peptides, mm-hmm. uh, some amino acids. But then it's finally released from there. And the, and the hormones that are released at this point, secretin and cholecystokinin, what's their job? They are very powerful uh, appetite suppressants for one. For one thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where the satiety comes from. Huh. Yeah. The appetite suppressants. But, well, the fat, of course, is another source of that. But, yeah, the um, what what happens when those hormones are released is they go straight to the gallbladder and the pancreas. Pancreas. And stimulate the secretion of those right. digestive juices onto the food. What's in those digestive juices? Lipase, amylase. Ask a vegan what's in those digestive juices. I guarantee they have no clue what's in there. Because if they did, they wouldn't eat the way they do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's got, it's, everything's with an ASE after Mm -hmm. it. They're all, they're all, they're all lytic enzymes that Mm -hmm. cut things to pieces. But I'll tell you one thing that's not in there, cellulase. Cellulase. There is no cellulase manufactured in the human body. You don't have a single enzyme in your body that's targeted towards the breakdown of plant material. None. That is not a, a single one. Digestive chemical fact. I thought we had some in the colon. Only the bacteria in your colon. The bacteria would have that will ability. digest. Okay, not, not the enzymes. That's the ice on the cake here I want to make. What is the transit time that's necessary for that stuff to ferment? What do that's we mean what, by transit time? Be, be the human digestive tract from the moment you swallow hours. something to the moment you release it out the other end. There's a certain amount of time there, mm-hmm. but there's not there's enough no time, time for bacteria to work with cellulase on no. plants in your gut. That's no. why McBride says if you do eat vegetables, you cook them to the point of mush, yeah. not raw vegetables as the leaky gut doctor said to eat, but you cook them to the point of mush or you ferment them. There is a primate, most you can't primates break them down. that have 200 times the cecum that humans do. Humans have a very, very tiny cecum. And that is the very beginning, beginning of the large intestine. Of the large intestine. That's why we have the ileocecal valve, valve. Mm-hmm. the end of the ileum of the small intestine, the beginning of the cecum of the, small, of the large intestine, the major- right where the appendix is. And the majority of what an ape is eating is vegetation. Yeah. But they have a two-foot cecum, oh. which is the place of fermentation of these foods. We don't have that. No. So even though there are bacteria in our gut, 
that would have cellulase that would break down plant material. Maybe, you know, if you had some parsley sprinkled on a steak. That's a spice. <laughs> right, it's a that's spice. That's a spice. But that's the kind of capacity that the bacteria would have at that point. Not a, a, a huge mixing bowl full of spring greens and raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. There's no way you don't have enough time. You don't have enough bacteria to do that. And yet we think that's the best thing to eat, especially for weight loss. If you can grab a hold of these ideas. And women especially. Why do you think we're hysterical? Because nobody's, everybody's afraid to eat fat, thinking that eating fat is going to get them fat. And it's just the opposite. And cause cancer and everything else. And it's just the opposite. So what uh, scientific facts are there out there to support red meat causes bowel cancer? There aren't any. There aren't any. It's just another, another, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking uh, of, uh, not paranoid, but hysterical, uh, well, thank you, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> no, just a hysteria uh, created by somebody in some article somewhere. And when you actually go into and um, examine the research, you're not going to find it. And then this latest article in the New York Times. Uh, hey, everybody, we're wrong about red meat. <laughs> Four million people in this study in different populations all around the world. And they said, we can't find any evidence I can't that red meat causes that. cancer of the bowel. We can't find it. It's not there. Except in one little tiny community, we got some numbers, but the study wasn't that good. So we're not sure that even that exists. If you eat a food that has the proper proportions of essential amino acids and essential fatty acids and vitamins and minerals, if you eat a food like that on a regular basis, you are going to have very few incidences of disease and sickness in your life. And that means a big hit to multi-trillion dollar health problems in the United States. And I don't want to get real conspiratorial with this podcast, but if you have a multi-trillion dollar disease business. Look at to the money arthritis that, makes, the money cancer makes, the money heart disease makes, the money diabetes. Hundreds of mil- all, hundreds of billions each. All related to dietary choices. And then there's Oprah, who isn't evil, who isn't part of a big conspiracy to keep you know, disease going in this world. He, she's trying to do the best. She's just ignorant. She's just ignorant. Like every one of us that have been brainwashed that salads and, you know, canola oil is the best thing and cold cereal for heart disease is the best thing. So tell the story. Oh, the, well, Britain was having, uh, they, were the, they were feeding the livestock in Britain livestock that had passed away and they processed the bodies of these dead cows and they would feed them back to, to the cows? cows. They're not carnivores. No. Well, when you have the feedlots and everything, you can put whatever you want in the trough and they're going to eat it. Ugh. Naturally, they're going to go out and eat grass. Yeah. But they were supplementing their feed that they're with other dead so cows. So you have the, there being, you know, what do you call it when you uh, carnival uh, cannibal cannibal? Yeah, you have these cannibalistic cows that are now going to get something called mad, mad cow, cow disease. disease. <clears throat> Excuse me, it was a big problem in Britain at the time. It didn't exist in the United States at that point, but she got on 
and made meat look like it was. She said, I'm never going eating to get, it again. Yeah, I'm never going to eat meat again. Yep, I mean, that's she, it. I'm stopped. And of course, in a show like that, you, you don't get a lot of, you know, you don't get a lot of people watching your show if you're on there talking about science and statistics. Yeah. You get it from the show, from the fear, from the conspiracy, from, you know, you know, putting Kiss on there, talking about their rock lives. That's that's what gets people to watch the show. Then she did it really well. Only she targeted the one thing that should never be targeted yeah. unless you want to affect the health of millions of people. And have yo-yo weight loss. So what did Texas do? So the meat producers in Texas went after her and litigated against her. And she had Dr. Phil on her team helping her get <laughs> through it psychologically oh. because it was so psychologically, it was so well, she scary wasn't for trying her. to hurt people. She said, I have never no. done anything in my life ever consciously to hurt another human being. That's what she said in the, in the article, which I believe. But we I believe that. Too. Yeah, we're all so brainwashed that she ended up winning the case, didn't she? She did. Well, she, yeah. That they, she, they, that she wasn't malicious. Right. And she didn't have to fork over the losses that these ranchers took Which because is sad. of what she said. Which is super sad. There's still repercussions from that Oprah show. Absolutely. To this day, people won't eat meat. To millions of people's health. Millions. Absolutely. D- to millions of people's health detriment. So. Um, it, the, the amount of ignorance that is out there is not c- only in talk show hosts dietitians, nutritionists, MDs, stunning chiropractors for that matter. The ignorance is staggering. So if you look to the body and the anatomy of the human digestive tract, it won't lead you wrong. There you go. And eat what you crave. And eat what you crave. Of meat, fish, eggs, dairy, and spices. Da-da-da-da. All right. Da-da-da-da. This is an hour and a half long. Do we, we need, need to, to close. Say, do we need to say something about Forbidden Doctor Podcast, the sponsor? <laughs> yeah, we have a wonderful sponsor. Um, pod, um, Cashback World. And then we'll come back for closing comments with Dr. Josh. Yeah. The, the, you go ahead. Well, the, 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 the spon- this sponsor doesn't just keep us our podcast on the air. It can help you, the listeners. This is a free app where you save money and it gives you cash back in your pocket when you shop and all you have to do is shop. So why not use this app and get cash back? So go to why not get to register and then just download the free cash back app. Yeah. Save money, get shopping points. You can use, you we can also save up have- to 25% in your purchases doing this. And we also have shopping point deals. We, in our we, office. That we send out. And you come in and every shopping point is worth about $10. Well, it is in our clinic. And you can use your shopping point deals and you also also get cash back. So, you know, go to whynotgetcashback.com to register and then simply download the app and start saving money. And very soon we're going to have probably the most exciting announcement we have ever had at ForbiddenDoctor.com. Uh, relative to the sale of standard process products. Yes, and you it's, want to be registered. You want to be registered before then for the cash. So you go app. to free. You get the free symptom survey where this registration can take place at the homepage at forbiddendoctor.com. It's the most comprehensive survey you will ever take. It has tons of questions, and after you're done, you have the opportunity to have a free 30-minute phone consultation. And you will be giving a, given a personalized protocol. This saves you money in the long run because you won't be taking supplements you don't need. Yeah. 
And all of this at no charge to you. So go to ForbiddenDoctor.com and click on Symptom Survey. And you get your free survey. Okay, I just want to give our little disclaimer. The statements- Well, I want to finish the conversation okay. with Josh. I was going to go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, how many people have you talked to about this over the last year since you've been doing this? who have responded positively and started doing it themselves, and what kind of results are they getting? The main thing people run into is the transition of their guts from the microbiome that was feeding off the food they were eating, yep. sugar. That, which was sugar and vegetables and things. I mean, it creates a well, certain microbiome, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So when you switch over, there is this transition, and it is not fun. If you don't and have a good say, liver. Well, I got sick. Well, you're addicted to carbs is the problem, yeah. usually, is they're very addicted. And that so, candida wants to live, and right. it will punish you. But So I have a lot of people that run into that problem. Uh, Jen's high school friend who was in the same room when I met Jen for the first time, she's awesome. Her name's Amy, and she's lost 80 pounds, and wow. she has her life back. Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, just a total transition from near coffin to vibrancy. Just one of the most amazing things. Near coffin, seen. you mean death. Near, yes, near death. Near death. Yeah. Wow. It's like, yeah, one foot in, one foot out. Which way is this going to go? Hey, I just had a crazy idea. When you're at a funeral, do they have a bunch of meat selections laying around or do they have a bunch of plants? Funeral potatoes. Is, isn't that crazy? Oh. <laughs> Like, what are you Is talking well, about? Well, I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, you don't, you, you don't go to a funeral and they strange have a carrots side on the of top. beef hanging there and a bunch of fish. They have flowers all over the place trying to decorate and, and, and to somehow mitigate the, the sorrow and the pain of, of, of a lost loved one and these kinds of things. But I just kind of thought that the number one cause of death in this country, heart disease, the second cause, cancer. And diabetes is up there. And these are all the result of food choices. Mm-hmm. This is after 30 years of investigating and researching this very thing. This is what I find is it's the environmental factors of our lives that cause these problems. And the number one environmental factor is our food choice. And it just seems, you know, here... We're taught the food to me, makes no to difference me when for someone our health. dies of cancer or someone dies of a heart attack or someone dies of a stroke or someone dies of diabetes. To me, they died because of the plant kingdom and the malnutrition that led to. And here we have the plant kingdom represented all over on the coffin, up on the, the you know, in the front of the place where people are talking. <laughs> Big plants by the podium. Okay. And I'm sitting there thinking... There's the plants are saying, mm-hmm, got another one. We got another one. <laughs> that was the weirdest analogy I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I'm certifiable. Okay. I just like crazy things that run through my mind. We are in our pajamas. I need more meat. Maybe you're talking in your sleep. A lion, if it doesn't have animals to eat, is going to die. It's not going to go digging up potatoes. Human beings have the adaptability to live on plants until they can find another animal. And yeah. tell. So that's what they're there for. Survival is foods. to keep us alive until we find another animal, but that's about it. Yeah. Otherwise, well, they're completely unnecessary. Good thing we're at the top of the food chain. Yeah, but where are you going to get well, your vitamins? Uh, you know, where are you going to get your minerals? Here's the thing: it's Red in meat. the animal Red that meat. ate Red the meat. plant. Red meat. 
It is. The sun brings its energy into that plant to form carbohydrate between the carbon uh, dioxide in the air, the moisture itself, and the uh, hydrogen that's in the water comes to, it forms this thing. The roots that go down into soil that actually has some nutrients in it, which you don't find in the commercial farms, ends up in that plant. The animal comes along and eats that plant, spends all day long eating that plant to concentrate the minerals, the, vets, or the vitamins, the enzymes that's in that plant into a very small concentrated area of the body, or I don't mean of its body, but it takes what it would eat all day long into a couple ounces of meat, and then we eat that to get the full concentrated effect of what that animal spent the entire day grazing on. Thank you, animal. That animal will never create anything, but it is there to feed those that do those animals are there for you. And, and you say, you, I heard you say on one of the radio shows recently that people say they don't eat meat because they're trying to um, be nice to the animals. For moral reasons. Well, yes, but they ha- you, you said something. Oh, what did you say on the radio? You said you, it's too cruel. They're, it's too cruel to them to eat an animal. Right. And you said, but you're being cruel to your animal body. I mean, you have to choose which one. And what about all the animals that are killed in order to provide vegetarian foods? Yes. Now, that may sound counterproductive. No. Yeah, but that's, that's an interesting fact. Hundreds of millions, just in Australia agriculture alone, hundreds of millions of critters are killed. And it ranges from birds all the way down to mice. Animals are still killed to bring humans food. Yes. Why not just kill one cow for your family for a year rather than killing, you know, 100 raccoons? Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, that's where all the droughts and the fires that come from in California. You know, they've stripped the lands to to be able to support all the vegans in, in California. So, you know... We have to, and then the fires, you were talking about how they, yeah. they, the fires are coming because they wouldn't let them clear the land. Yep. You clear the undergrowth. The undergrowth. Yep. So, so it's just fuel upon fuel upon fuel. You don't want to kill those So vegetables. when the wildfires start, you know, it's, you know, it's the state laws, the BLM. I think they, they almost foment this stuff. So anyway, we're kind of coming here to the end. Thanks, everybody. And, um... You're probably getting this download through iTunes, rate or podcast. I mean, if you liked anything you've heard so far, go back to iTunes and rate it. And there are places at the end to leave comments. And I know there's a lot of people who are very hot under the collar right now (laughs) for what we've talked about for an hour and a half. But I know there's a lot of you out there that your heart is singing right now. There's something inside of you that's saying, oh, my goodness, this is what I've been waiting to hear all my life. So, the statements made in this podcast about specific products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other health care professionals. Yeah, so thanks for listening to the Forbidden Information and our Forbidden Podcast. Join us next time for another in-depth discussion of forbidden knowledge. We'll see you then. Many of you may be finding us for the first time. Keep in mind, the protocols on our website and what we are talking about are only available to logged-in users. 
but you can create an account instantly by taking our free no-obligation symptom survey at ForbiddenDoctor.com. Understand the survey saves you money in the long run because you're not going to be taking supplements you don't need, and all of this at no charge to you. And if you would like 20% off all the time, join our VIP membership. Just go to ForbiddenDoctor.com VIP to listen to a short video on the benefits, and let's start your healing process today.